Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. Episode 54 continues Oscar's conversation with Tim Couch. This time we'll go inside the huddle with the former Kentucky QB as we will get his thoughts and comments from people that he has been surrounded with on and off the field. We'll start in Leslie County with some of Tim's high school coaches and then we'll move on to his teammates and coaches at the University of Kentucky. Who recruited Tim Couch to Kentucky and who was the big man? Which one of Tim Couch's former teammates wrestled alligators and who literally walked onto the field to become a walk-on? Oscar will get Tim's thoughts on his former coaches at Kentucky, including both Bill Curry and Hal Mummy. In addition, Tim reflects on his pro career and his time with the Cleveland Browns as the number one draft pick. And how did Tim Couch cope with life after football and what he's up to now? There's quite a bit of ground to cover on this one. Tim Couch was known for throwing touchdowns on the field, and now he's throwing out compliments. The deuce is loose with the old man. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. I want to go through some names here. You just give me a little description of what you remember most about them, what they meant to you. And uh, I'm going to start out with coaches and people around the program. And your high school. Let's start with Mike Whitaker. Mike Whitaker would be um, the reason for all my success. I I truly believe that. Mike Mike had me as a seventh grader. And um, to have his knowledge and his um, understanding of how to play the quarterback. Mike taught me like a college quarterback when I was in seventh grade. Reading defenses, uh, my footwork, my mechanics. Um, I mean, I was polished as a seventh and eighth grader because of Mike. already and you know I had the size and I had all that but um, you know Mike was a great quarterback himself at Eastern he played you know at Leslie County and then went to UK for a year actually and then he transferred to Eastern where he had you know a ton of success broke all, I think every passing record in the history at EKU and won some championships um, you know those kind of things and then um, he had uh, he had a chance to get into the NFL he was in a training camp I think with the Patriots and didn't make it and ended up coming back just to coach at Leslie County and fortunately for me that was a time when I was coming through and um, so the guy was just uh, um, you know he, he had such an impact on me um, you know just teaching me how to play the position and um, you know understanding how to prepare for games and how to you know just just everything and uh, you know so I certainly owe him so much of my what happened to my career. Joe Beater. Uh, Joe just kind of, you know, took it from where, where Mike um, Mike left off. Mike ended up leaving and taking another job after my junior year. So Joe Beater was the head coach of my senior season. And, um, you know, he just uh, – you know, Joe was more of a, a defensive guy. He was he had been our defensive coordinator under Mike. And, uh, you know, so uh, at that point I was, uh, you know, been in, been in the system for a long time. So we were just kind of rolling on offense at that point. But, uh, you know, Joe was uh, – 
Joe was a great motivator. Uh, you know, he was a, a great person to play for, and um, you know, just kind of kind of kept it rolling. Dan Baker. Dan Dan Baker, the touchdown maker. Yeah, he was he was my guy. Yeah, you we're still like best friends to this day. Um, see him all the time. Um, he's living in Ashland. Uh, Ashland now. He's got uh, he's got twins and uh, doing great. But Dan and I, uh, we you know, Dan was my guy growing up and and uh, caught a lot of touchdowns. Um, he was an excellent player. Played in college for a couple years at Moorhead and um, uh, just uh, was was one of my close friends back then and still is to this day. Ricky Hensley. All the same, Rick and I talk every single day. Um, Rick is uh, Rick was uh, took over, you know, after Dan left, and he was a little he was a little younger, a year behind us and stuff. But he had a huge he was my guy my senior year. Rick was catching all the touchdowns, and we were just together on a trip together uh, two weeks ago. So we're uh, we, we we talk every day, and definitely uh, definitely one of my closest friends. Another one of your Leslie County uh, buddies, Fred Bashirs. Oh, Fred. Yeah, Fred just um, Fred was my offensive coordinator my senior season when after Mike left. And um, um, Fred is just Fred has done so much for our, our community in Hyden. I mean, he really has. You know, he owns, you know, the bank there and, you know, Hyden Citizens Bank. And he's just um, he's a very giving, generous person. Um, he's uh, he, he's uh, he was great, to, you know, to be around and be able to play for. Uh, he really worked with me, you know, he, um, we, he would coach me and I, you know, I told him, you know, he said, I know Mike's coached you hard. I'm going to coach you hard now that Mike's gone. And I, and that's what I liked, you know, I want, I want you to hold me up to a certain standard and, and, um, you know, expect something, you know, certain, expect me to play at a certain level. And he, he certainly did that. Bill Curry. I uh, have a lot of respect for, for Bill as, as a, as a person. I think he's a great man. I really do. Um, it didn't work out for us, you know, player coach wise, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, but, um, you know, I decided to come play ball for here for a reason, and Bill was one of the you know main reasons because um, you know he he is a good man. He he's a he's a great motivator. He's a great leader. Um, you know, I think that uh, he probably just didn't have the right staff around us uh, around for him to be successful here. Um, but uh, you know, cer certainly have a lot of respect for him as a man. Guy who recruited you a great deal uh, from that staff who let her coach there, Joker Phillips. Joker, yeah, Joker. Uh, Joker was another big reason that I ended up coming to Kentucky. I got really close with him during the recruiting process and just being here for camps and stuff. And, you know, he was just, uh, you know, he was just, he was fun to be around. You know, he was, he was you know, young guy at the time. And um, we just kind of bonded, uh, you know, you know, through what, you know, like I said, when I was here at the camps and stuff and, uh, you know, wish things would have um, went differently for him when he had his opportunity to be the head coach here. But, you know, I always support him and always, uh, you know, hope he does well. And, uh, you know, he's he, he's doing he's, – he's done a nice job as an assistant coach as well. The late Ray Doer. Yeah, Ray was the quarterback coach on that staff under Coach Curry. And um, we got to be, um, you know, really good friends. And he he really um, – he, he really was a good football coach and a, and a good man. And um, we didn't get a lot of time together. He ended up leaving and uh, – was it Texas A&M? I think he, it was A&M. I think he went to Texas A&M. Um, but yeah, uh, and ended up passing away just a few years after that, um, you know. So I really didn't get a whole lot of time with him, but certainly got to know him, you know, through the recruiting process. And um, uh, loved loved uh, the time that I did have with him. Elliot Usley. Elliot, um, yeah, that's a tough one. You know, we we didn't really get along very well. And, you know, that was that was one of those ones where I haven't had many, or I, I can't uh, I can't think of any experience I've had with a coach at a high school college or NFL level where I had a difficult time with but Ellie and I just didn't see eye to eye and I think that he was he's very demanding and very um you know like you said like you saw him get after get after guys and it just wasn't my style 
of, uh, you know, the coaches that I wanted to play for. And, uh, you know, it was everything. It was the system that I was in. It was his coaching style. Um, yeah, it just, it just didn't click for us. How mummy? Well, I mean, obviously I love Hal. Um, just um, – he was like he was he was like a father to me. I mean, we got to be that close. Um, you know, went through we went through a lot together. You know, he saw me go from a you know a, a kid to uh, you know being the number one NFL draft pick. He saw me go through losing my best friend, which he was very supportive of me during that time, and um, just uh, a lot of things we went through. And I think our bond is even closer because you know we you know how certainly was on the cutting edge of of offense in college football across the country. And as you look at what teams do now offensively it's a brand of what we started in 1997 with the air raid you know so many you hear the air raid offense air raid, it's, you know and to say we started that you know and um we made it work at this level at a major you know how was doing it at a you know a lower level but to make it work at a major division one program is something that hal and i both are very very proud of and there's so many coaches that have branched out under that you know that have become head coaches you know chris hatcher uh, mike leach um, you know, uh, uh, Tony Franklin, um, Sonny Dykes, the, all those guys that were on that staff that had so much success um, after we left, I think it's something that we, we can all be proud of. Mike Leach. I uh, love Mike. Um, lo- loved playing for him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's one of the most entertaining characters that you could ever, ever be around. Um, I, I mean, I love listening to him talk. I still follow him. Um, you know, we, we text uh, every now and then, get a chance to catch up with him and see how he's doing. And um, But he's, uh, you know, obviously his career speaks for itself. He's had a ton of success and has been a great head coach. And, uh, you know, I, I pull for him every Saturday. Were you sort of hoping that he might get to Tennessee job when the word first came out this year? I was I was hopeful for him. You know, I, th- I think Mike would love to be back in the SEC. I, I really do. You know, I think that uh, – um, I think he would love that opportunity, you know. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see. It's uh, you know, it may happen at some point. But uh, you know, I, I want uh, what whatever. If he's happy out there, and you know, that I'm happy for him. But uh, you know, I I, I kind of feel like he want he wants to be back in the SEC. I, I believe he would be successful in the SEC. Uh, oh, I do too. Because because he would be able to recruit. Yes. Better here than he is out there, and his climate, and and I I think he probably would be a little bit more conservative on. Fourth and twenty from the thirteenth. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Hatcher. Oh, Chris was awesome, man. Um, you know, he was just uh, um, he. Had, we were kind of the same age. I mean, he was only a few years older than me when he was my quarterback coach, and he had just graduated from Valdosta State, and he had um, come here with Hal. He played for Hal there at Valdosta, and was a great player at, at Valdosta. Won the I think he won the Harlan Hill Award, which is basically the Heisman Trophy there and at that level, and. Um, so he was coaching me and, uh, and, and the quarterbacks here and we got to be like best friends. I mean, we, we would hang out together. He would coach me hard and, um, but he was, uh, he was a great teacher of the game. Um, made it, made it, uh, simple, you know, the the way he taught me uh, the offense and way he installed it and made me uh, have a very good understanding of it. And, uh, and Chris and I are close to this day. Claude Bassett. (laughs) Claude, um, that's a name I hadn't thought of in a while, but uh, you know, Claude was uh, Claude was a, a, a wheeler and a dealer. He was a moving or shaker kind of guy. You know, what I mean, he was. Uh, yeah, I just remember him riding around in his golf cart and uh, with his big cell phone. It looked like uh, you remember on Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris yeah. had that cell phone. It was like the size of a coffee cup or something. You'd have that thing and uh, you know, just running around. He's always on the phone trying to make deals, get recruits, and you know, whatever happened, you know, happened with uh, you know with. with and he with, always with called him. everybody. Big man. Big man, yeah. Hey, big, big man. man. Big man. Come here, big man. He always wanted to tell me Jim McMahon stories. You yeah. know, because when he was at BYU with right. McMahon, he's like, come here, let me tell you how McMahon would handle that. Big man. Big man, yeah. <laughs> Tom Adams. Tom Adams. 
here. The defensive coach. Um, let's see, Tom here. Yeah. Uh, oh. you don't remember him? Mm-mm. Okay. Tom Adams. It was he under how? Yeah. Oh no, that was um the defensive coordinator you're talking about? No, one coordinator. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the coordinator. Tom Adams. Uh he, he passed away after he left here. He came here Huh. Yeah, I can't remember. I, I know wait a minute. I, he came a year after you. Okay. That's yeah, I was gonna say was. I don't think I was yeah, with him. Yeah. yeah. Mike Majors. That, that's who I thought you were talking about. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were talking about Mike. I was thinking yeah. about the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I think Mike was just doing the best he could do. Um, you know, he and Hal were, were really close friends. Um, you know, I think he uh, he probably didn't have the best systems in place. Um, you know, and then we, we didn't have, you know, the best talent in the SEC on that side of the ball. I mean, it was a, it was a little bit of a struggle, so you had to kind of try to be creative. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Hal was very loyal to him. You know, for because they had been together for so long, and you know, probably if it wasn't for the, you know, Hal being such a good person and so loyal to him, that it probably wouldn't have worked out for him as long as it did here. But uh, you know, I think Mike was just, you know, he's trying to do the best he well, could. Well, Mike, Mike probably could always say, "Well, Coach, I, I had to, only, I only got to defend twenty yards." Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we would put him in bad situations sometimes. Now we would go for it, and you know, in some in some pretty crazy situations. Tony Franklin. Uh, Tony was another guy that uh, I didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of direct dealings with when he was here. He was the running backs coach, um, and he was uh, he had just come from the high school ranks. Um, he had been in high school. I think was he a head coach in high school at Franklin mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, um, but he he kind of took off when I, after I left. You know, as far as his uh, you know the camps that he puts on and the, you know the inst- you know uh, teaching the air raid system and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I just remember Tony being uh, um, very enthusiastic, very uh, you know it just. Uh, uh, one of those guys that really motivated guys. I know the running backs really like to play for him, and um, yeah, yeah. I just I didn't get a whole lot of time with him. He, you know, he was just here for a year or so. Tom Kalinowski. Oh, Tom's the best. Uh, Tom is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, anybody that's been around Kentucky football knows who Tom is, and he's been equipment there. Manager. The equipment manager. Equipment manager is over forty years, I guess. Yeah, right, he's yeah. been there. Took over for the legendary Buckshot Underwood. Yeah. Yeah, Tom's just awesome. I mean, he's just a you know he's a staple in Kentucky football, and he's that familiar face that all the guys that have ever played here know and like Tom. And uh, just uh, I love seeing him when you know get over to the games and stuff, down on the sideline, or go over to the facility and you, know, you get to see Tom. Yeah. Uh, three people that weren't in the athletics. Well, two of them weren't in the athletics department, but uh, Dr. Charles Wethington, the president. Yeah, um, you know, like I said, it's. Uh, I was just such a young young kid back then, you know that uh, you know I didn't have a, you know appreciation for what you know probably he was you know doing. He you know, pulled the trigger on how mummy. Yeah, which absolutely. probably took a lot of courage. Yeah, I mean absolutely. You know I think um, now I have a much more bigger appreciation <laughs> for him. But you know when you're a kid, you know eight, 18, 19 years old, you're not really thinking about the job of the, the president and those kind of things. Um, but he, uh, you know, certainly um, you know made some moves that uh, that impacted my life for sure. C.M. Newton. I really like C.M. a lot. You know, I think he's um, he's had a huge impact on sports in, in, in the SEC at, at, at a couple of different places. And, um, you know, C.M. was, uh, you know, very good to me. Um, he uh, he pulled the – you know, made, he made the right moves and, and got this, uh, got this uh, offense going in the right direction and uh, brought in a guy who he could really, you know, see the future with. You know, I think that not many people would believe in, in Hal and – what he was doing and his style and those kind of things that it would work here, but see, I'm really, uh, really, really saw that. Larry Ivy. Yeah, Larry was great. Um, 
you know, I think uh, Larry, I got to know Larry um, pretty, uh, pretty well through a, a great friend of mine, Talbot Todd, and he and, he and Larry were really close. So uh, I've had, had some good times with Larry. We've got a chance to hang out um, quite a bit. I saw him at, uh, at Talbot's funeral um, a year ago or so, whatever that was. And, uh, yeah, he just uh, – he, he's a great guy. I loved hanging around him. And Talbot Todd. Well, Talbot truly was uh, a father to me. I mean, he was as close as you can possibly get. Um, we were, we were, we were, as you know, best friends. He was, uh, he, he, Talbot started coming to my games when I was uh, a sophomore. Every Friday, he would come to Leslie County, and um, you know, his wife probably thought he was crazy, you know, making that two-hour <laughs> drive down there on Friday nights and stuff, and just to watch some kid from the mountains play. But um, you know, he was a huge reason that uh, I ended up back in Kentucky. He and my dad got to be really good friends. And then uh, once my dad passed away, Talbot really kind of, you know, was, was that kind of figure, figure for me. Um, but uh, Talbot, uh, you know, played at UK. He's a huge, he was a huge supporter of Kentucky football. And, um, you know, he's was, he, he was just – everyone knows who Talbot is. You know, he's always around. He, he was a great man. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly miss him every day. Your teammates, Jimmy Robinson. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy was uh, – Jimmy was a special player, man. He size. I think Jimmy was probably about 6'3", 220. Looked like Terrell Owens or somebody, you know. I mean, he was just like – he probably had about 2% body fat. He was um, he, he was a freak. He made, he made a lot of great plays. You know, he just was uh, overshadowed a little bit with, with Craig being here. Neil Brown. Neil. Yeah, Neil and I got to be good friends. Um, you know, uh, Neil would go back to hiding with me sometimes and got to, got to meet my family and um, – uh, Neil and I threw a lot of passes together in the offseason. Neil, you know, be guys I go work out with and uh, catch passes for me and um, and those kind of things. And just just so happy for his success now as a, as a head coach. And you know, I, I think that um, you know I was uh, so happy that he got a chance to come back to Kentucky and be an offensive coordinator. And he, he was so happy here. And then uh, I think you know he was uh, you know didn't want to leave, but he had a great opportunity to become a head coach. And we saw what he was able to do. Uh, when he, once he got the opportunity, so great. I think uh, you know, just super bright future ahead for him as a head coach. Dusty Bonner. Uh, Dusty was a great, uh, great teammate, um, uh, very good friend. We were very close in college. Um, we spent obviously a lot of time together, a lot of meetings, a lot of practices, th threw a lot of balls together, and uh, you know, I was just really, really happy for Dusty when he decided to make the move to transfer to Valdosta and the su success that he had. I mean, he had a great year at Kentucky. As the one year he was a starter, but um, when he went to, you know, he won two Harlan Hill awards. Um, I don't, I, he put up numbers that were just unbelievable at that level, and uh, I was so happy for him to go have that success because, uh, you know, he was a, he was a very solid football player, very good player. Billy Jack Haskins have so much respect for Billy Jack. Um, I mean, we went at it competitive wise uh, when I got on campus because, like you said earlier, Billy Jack was the starter, and um, you know he was. Uh, he was a good high school football player. He was just undersized, and but uh, I don't think anybody was as tough as Billy Jack. I mean, that kid. I mean, not kid. That guy was uh, as tough as they come, and uh, he had unbelievable leadership skills. The guys really believed in Billy Jack, and they followed him. Um, I respected him. Um, he did not back down at all. I came in on campus as the number one recruit in the country, and he's five foot ten, undersized quarterback, and he didn't back down at all. He was, um, you know, we went at it, but it was in a friendly way, and uh, still talk to him, see him, uh, you know, sometimes here and there, and uh, you know, he's uh, he's not. He actually has. Uh, he he would come up to Cleveland a couple of times, went to a few of my games, and you know those kind of things, and uh, you know we never did have a you know. Uh, any bad blood between us. We were just two guys competing for the same job and who I think had a lot of mutual respect for one another. Jerry Duranson. 
Jared, uh, you know, one of the, uh, you know, just, just a phenomenal athlete. A guy his size who could run had probably one of the strongest arms that I, I've ever, ever seen. You know, um, he could throw it through a wall. Um, just, uh, you know, just you shouldn't be able to be that good of an athlete when you're, you're, you're that, that size. And he was, uh, he was a great player and, you know, got his Super Bowl ring and as a backup to Eli with the Giants and um, ha- had an unbelievable career. And, uh, you know, happy for him now. I saw that, uh, you know, he just dropped 100 pounds or something like that in, on his, uh, you know, his uh, weight loss program that he's on. So happy for him that he's, uh, you know, getting things going in the right direction. Jonas Slaney. Big Jonas. Oh, wow, yeah, I haven't heard that name in a while. Uh, did he pa- – he passed away, didn't he? I, I think – I'm not know. sure. I'm not – I think he uh, – I think – I know Streck did. Remember yes. Jeremy Streck? Yeah, yes. he, Yeah, he did. And I think I think Jonas uh, I think Jonas said I may be wrong about that, but um, but Jonas was a, a massive human being. I mean, he was uh, what was he six seven or something like that? A big dude, left tackle. Um, I, I really had a great offensive line when I was here. I mean, with Watts and Comstock and Leaning and Streck and Webster, th- those guys were tough, man. They were. Uh, I didn't get hit a lot, you know, that that year. That's why I was putting up such big numbers and. I don't, I don't know what my sack numbers were, but it, it couldn't have been too many. Those guys were tough. John Schlarman. Well, Schlarm, yeah, I forgot to mention Schlarm. We played together uh, my sophomore year, and Schlarm was uh, – he played just like he coaches, tough as nails. Uh, he's a technician, uh, very smart, very detailed, um, just, uh, just a guy that I have a ton of respect for as uh, the way he worked, the way he prepared. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was a fighter, you know, that's, that's, that's the way he coaches these guys. And, and when I see him coaching these guys out on the field, I'm like, that's exactly the way he played. You know I mean? He would, uh, he would get in there, he's scrappy. Um, and, uh, you know, he was a good football player, really good football player. Chris Comstock. Comstock, uh, another big guy, right tackle. Um, you know, he was, uh, you know, I just, I was lucky to have those two guys leaning in Comstock on, on the, on the edges. And they, they really did a good job for me. And, um, you know, I still see uh, Comstock around around town every now and then, and uh, and uh, he's a good friend. James Whalen. James, I remember. Uh, I remember James literally walked onto the practice field one day. His family or somehow, I think he was playing at a junior college in Oregon. His family moved to Lexington or something. He walks onto the practice field. We're out there throwing balls, and he's got a videotape in his hand. And he walks out and says, uh, "says I want to uh, walk on here." and uh, Mike and Hal and I are standing there, and he just and they they took his tape and they go in and watch it, and the guy's a pretty good player. And then you know he walks on, he ends up being an All American, he catches ninety some passes, and just uh, I mean just an unbelievable <laughs> story. And uh, you know then he had an NFL career, he played a few years in the NFL. And uh, James was uh, James was very undersized for his position. He was probably two hundred and twenty pound tight end, but uh, man, he could catch the football and make plays, and uh, just was a phenomenal football player. Jason Watts. Jason was uh, Jason and I were really really close. Um, you know, he was my center um, here at UK, and uh, Jason was uh, one of those guys that you just—he uh, was kind of like my my protector kind of guy. You know, we would go out, nobody would mess mess with me because nobody wanted to mess with Jason. Jason was like an intimidating guy. I mean, he would wrestle alligators and I mean all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, I mean, I mean he really he, would do he that. Re- he really did do that. No, he really did do that. Yeah, no, he would like he he grew up in Florida and he would go out on these airboats and jump into water and wrestle alligators like I mean it was crazy um but he was a massive I mean big strong dude um and intimidating and uh he was a fighter and uh, you know hate what happened you know with the uh, with the car accident and all that kind of stuff but I've, I've seen and talked to Jason a few times um since then and um seems like his uh, his life's going pretty well good Derek Homer 
Derek was a great player, you know, Mr. Football uh, in the state in high school, um, explosive running back, could uh, could catch the ball out of the backfield, um, probably uh, in a different system, would have been a very, very good player here. You know, he was just, um, you know, you know, obviously we were throwing the ball more than we were running it, but uh, Derek was a, was a really good football player. Keo Sanford. Keo, uh, uh, so fast. You know, first thing he jumps out is his speed. Um, and Keo's, uh, you know, a great person as well. But, um, you know, Keo was one of the guys that, uh, you know, helped us get this offense, uh, you know, up and running here when we when we installed it. And I was so lucky that, you know, he was already here on campus with Craig and and those guys. And it's just uh, just just a blessing to have someone, you know, like that that could uh, can make plays. Quentin McCord. Quentin, same way, pretty much. Quentin was um, – uh, an explosive guy, uh, deep threat, made some big plays for us. Um, you know, we talked about the LSU game earlier when he made the big play on the reverse that set up the set up that victory. Yeah. Derek Logan. Oh, Derek Logan. Yeah, yeah I forgot about Derek Logan. Um, yeah, he was uh, running back and ended up uh, transferring to Eastern, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he ended up transferring to Eastern. Yeah, I think we only played. Uh, I believe we only played one year together. That was your yeah. first year, I think. Yeah, that's my first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that was my first year. Yeah, I was under Curry. Yeah. Anthony White. Oh, I loved playing with Anthony. Anthony was um, Anthony was one of my favorite teammates I've ever had at, at any level. Um, I think he was uh, he was very very underrated as as a player. Um, he was he was like a he was a, a great running back, but he had wide receiver skill sets. I mean, he was a walking mismatch, and you know we threw a lot of balls to Anthony on um, on third downs to keep chains moving. You know, we get him matched up on linebackers or safeties, and they couldn't cover him. Um, but he was uh, he was he was an awesome football player, a great teammate, and um, you know I still see him quite a bit to this day. You sound as excited today as like you're just reliving play by play in a game. Yeah. The way you describe these players and how you would match them up and everything. Yeah, you know, I think um, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, I think I, I have this memory where if you could name a game, uh, I can tell you down in distance, the situation, probably the time on the clock, and it can be from 20 years ago. I just, uh, But then my wife will tell me something. I can't remember what she said. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just well, – there are I, things you remember. There are things you don't. <laughs> yeah, they're just uh, – I just have this memory. Like, I get so locked in and so focused on uh, on what I was doing that, uh, that I, I just never forget it. Are you an ex-player who refuses to watch old games, or do you like to watch and relive them? Um, I don't watch them very often. Um, every now and then my kids will say – uh, they want to watch something, and I'll pull out some some game tapes or something, and they'll, they'll watch you know highlight films and those kind of things. But um, I don't do it very often. But when I do, I I can vividly remember the the, the are the your place. Ki- are your kids at the age now where they want to say, Dad, did you really do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they are. I think you know in football they've seen it a lot now. You know they've seen a lot of the, the they films. They go to so, YouTube and watch. Yeah, it. they they can watch anything you know pretty much there. But in basketball they really question whether I was a good basketball player because you know when I'm out there working in the backyard with them on basketball they're like, Dad, you were a football player. I'm like, trust me, I could play a little basketball <laughs> too. So yeah, but they haven't seen any video of that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, for some reason, high school basketball didn't get no preserved the way football. Had. Yeah, I don't think I have any video of of high school, and uh, I wish I did because there was a uh, you know a lot of games were you know I had the the sixty point game in, up in Ohio. We played a team up there in, in some tournament. And, oh, we got to get a whole buzz. He might be able to drag some of them. He to might. The TV station. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see that stuff. Kevin Coleman. Kevin was my roommate one year. Um, my uh, sophomore year, I roomed with Kevin. 
And, uh, you know, um, one of my uh, uh, close friends while we were in college, we worked out a lot together too, you know, being, you know, my roommates and my best friends, you talk about Rick and Dan and those guys and um, Kevin, you know, since he was my roommate, they would get so sick of me because all I wanted to do was make them go catch passes, you know, and <laughs> Neil, uh, I, I just, I couldn't stop throwing. Like I was obsessed with my craft and like my mechanics and like, I, I just, I just couldn't, I wanted to work nonstop, even, you know, during the off season, those kind of things. I just, uh, I just wanted to keep throwing and they would, they get so mad because I never wanted to leave the field. Did you ever get the mentality that some pitchers get that there's only so many pitches in your arm? There's only so many passes in your arm. Well, I wish I had that mentality. I didn't because I, I like I said, I, I would throw and throw and throw and throw and throw. And then, um, you know, eventually my, my shoulder did, you know, give out and I had two major surgeries and, that's why I had to retire. At my my first surgery was a uh, torn rotator cuff, a torn labrum, and a torn bicep. So they repaired my whole shoulder, and I came back from that, and then um, was getting ready to sign um, with another team. And uh, they found another tear in my rotator cuff. So I was had the second surgery, and you know after the second surgery, I was never the same again. It was not even close. Seth Hansen. Seth. Oh yeah, Seth. Uh, Seth made the game-winning kick against um, against LSU. Yeah. He. Uh, he had uh, he made a couple clutch kicks for us. He was a he, he was a good player, but I certainly remember the LSU game, and I remember how it's uh, it was almost blocked at the line of scrimmage, and then it barely you know it was a low kick, very low kick, and it just barely went over the goalpost, and uh, you know, but he was it was, uh, it was an awesome moment, man. It was a lot of pressure. He was young at the time. I think he may have, was he a freshman or sophomore on that team or something, uh, but that was a big situation to come in and make that make that kick, but but he made it. Kendrick Shanklin. Kendrick Shanklin. Wow, yeah, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> well, he, defense. See. Yeah, I think he was on offense and they moved him to defense. Yes. Yeah, he was a running back. I think yeah. and then they moved him to defense. It was I think he was from Louisiana or somewhere like that, but yeah, I haven't uh I think he may have tra- he may have transferred. Yeah. Good friend I always like to Matt Laylow. Oh yeah, Matt's a good guy. He uh you know, we roomed together my junior year, my last year here at UK and um you know, he was a defensive end and Really good football player. Uh, he got a chance to play in the NFL maybe a year or two, and uh, he was with the Giants, and I think he played overseas as well in NFL Europe. And uh, he uh, he was he was a good player. He uh, he was actually a really good athlete. He started out he should have been a tight end. He he could have been a great tight end as well. And uh, they but we needed him on defense. Gary Davis. Oh, Gary was a playmaker. Uh, yeah, Gary was a you know tall. Um, he wasn't uh, he wasn't the fastest guy, but he had uh, he had he was very athletic, could jump, had really good hands, um, uh, just a big physical you know wide receiver. Made made some big plays for us. I remember he he, uh, he caught a touchdown. Remember Hal faked that punt against Indiana at home. It went for like an eighty yard touchdown pass. That was Gary that caught that. Matt Mummy, his uh, you know coach's son, threw it to him, and uh, it was another one of those times we were backed up. It was it was probably like a fourth and twenty, fourth and fifteen, and uh, we faked a punt and <laughs> went for an eighty yard touchdown. Lance Mickelson. Uh, Lance was a really good player. Um, Lance called a lot of balls. Uh, you know, he was a he was a JUCO guy from Utah. Uh, I remember he caught a, he caught one in uh, against Penn State, the first touchdown in the in the Outback Bowl, the long touchdown down the middle. Lance caught that a great play, and he, he made a lot of great plays when he was here. Mike Webster. Mike, uh, yeah, he's kind of like um, like Schlarman. He was a, he was a fighter. I mean, it, that, the whole interior group with Watts and. You know, Schlarman and Webby, those guys were tough, man. They were they were they were tough guys, and uh, 
you know, I was, like I said, I just, just fortunate that they were here, you know, when, it, when I was here and that they could, uh, they, they were, they were, they were good. Uh, they were both good run blockers. They were, they were, uh, but they could pass block too. They, but they were, they were so aggressive and so physical, you know, they, they probably would have been, you know, more efficient in a, you know, a run blocking system where they could fire off and just, you know, maul people. But, uh, you know, they developed into good pass blockers as well. One of my favorites, Jeff Snediger. Oh, Sned. Yeah. Sned was one of my favorite teammates too. He, uh, Sned was uh, he, he was as tough as they come. He was uh, he was about half crazy sometimes. Um, that was or, a part I liked. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, you know he was good. He was good for a good late hit or two a game, uh, just because he wanted <laughs> to get a shot on somebody. But he was an awesome leader. Um, really good football player. Very productive. Made made a ton of tackles. Uh, you know he was a quarterback when he first got here. He was a quarterback and could throw it a mile too. He had he had a very strong arm, but. Uh, he definitely had the mentality to, to switch and play linebacker. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy got a lot of work our freshman year. Yeah, we, we didn't get a first down very often, so Jimmy was in to punt. Uh, he was our most valuable player that, that first year. Yeah. Marvin Major. Oh, big Marv, yeah. Big, uh, Marv, Marv was a playmaker, um, defensive lineman. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he, he, Marv was a good one for sure. You get – to the draft, you're the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Cleveland sort of leaks it out maybe the night before or early morning of the draft that they've settled on you. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel? Uh, I just I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, I was in uh, – you know, Cleveland, they said they wanted they wanted the uh, the deal done. They didn't want to hold out. They, they didn't want a guy who was going to come in and hold out for more money. They, You know, at that time, the number one pick got – I think it was 10% more than the guy that year before, and it just kept escalating. So I knew I was going to get 10% more than Peyton. And um, so I was okay with the negotiation. I'm like, yeah, let's get it done, you know, because that's mm-hmm. what, how the, you know, how it had went. But um, I remember my agent um, uh, negotiating until the late hours of the night, the night before the draft. And I'm, you know, trying to keep my mind off of it. I'm out to dinner with Talbot and, you know, my mom and dad and Greg and uh, my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, you know, just, uh, just trying to just stay, you know, stay out of it because I didn't like that side of it. You know, I just want to let my agent handle all that. And then I finally get the call that, uh, you know, the deal, was, done. the deal was done. And um, I ended up signing the contract in the men's room at Madison Square Garden before I walked on stage. Is that right? Yeah, we were in the bathroom with uh, the guy from the Browns. And he was like, well, let's just sign this before you walk out there. And I signed it. For a little kid from Lesley County, Kentucky, how important was it to you those lice? 48-72 hours to get to be that number one pick. Oh, for you, yeah. for just confidential, confidence purposes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's huge. It was like, uh, you know, just living out a dream. I mean, like every kid who plays sports, especially who makes it to the, you know, at, at a level like the SEC, um, you know, they all have aspirations of playing at the next level. And, you know, I never really thought about being the number one pick until that season. Um, I just wanted to get a chance to play in the NFL. You know, I, I did think about that, you know, or, or basketball. I thought I was going to play in the NBA. But I, I just wanted to, you know, be a professional athlete. And, um, you know, but when it got right down to that day where it was like, I'm going to be the number one pick in the draft. You know, there, there's not many people that can say they were the number one pick in the draft. And I, I, I think I was the first player from U.K. in any sport to be the number one overall selection, you know, at the time. And then I think, you know, John Wall and Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony, those guys are, have been since then. But, um, you know, just to just – to, I mean, it's it's something that you can be proud of forever. You know, I mean, it's a there's a lot of guys they can choose they can choose from, and they feel confident confident enough in you, especially, you know, with the Browns coming back into the league that year for their you know the first time, and me being the first player they ever selected was uh, was a huge honor. 
you went into the season, were you hoping to be brought along slowly? Were you hoping to play early? Uh, it didn't take long for the fans yeah. to want. And, well, and, and before we get there, the deuce is loose. Yeah. Who created that? You know, I don't know. The fans just started yelling that that uh, my first year here when Curry wouldn't put me in the game. And uh, they were yelling, turn the deuce loose. And then uh, the next year, it was the deuce is loose. Yeah. yeah so when Hal came, the deuce is loose. Uh, I just remember seeing the signs in the stadium. I don't know who created that. But, uh, yeah, that was fun. I remember, uh, I remember those chants very well. Yeah. Uh, so going into that first season at Cleveland, uh, did you want to be – the starter from me going, do you want to come along slow? But yeah. the fans sort of took over and made the demands early. They did. Um, you know, the plan was for me to set most of that first year because Ty Detmer was there. And Ty had been in the league, you know, 12 or 13 years or so at the time. He was a you know, former Heisman Trophy winner at BYU. So I was going to play behind Ty. And, um, you know, they were going to put me in in places where I could, you know, come in and have a little success here and there. Uh, but we got blown out. In the first game of the year against Pittsburgh, Ty started, and um, they put me in. The, you know, the second after the game, Coach Palmer told me he's like, "You're you're you're starting next week," and we were going on the road against the Titans, and uh, started from then on. Yeah. Do, do, do you think that hurt you? Helped you? Both, honestly, I, I think it hurt a little bit. It hurt. Uh, you know, anytime you know, especially me coming out of college a year early, and uh, I think you put a young quarterback, especially a number one pick in the draft, who you know, people are already – the expectations are up here already when you come into the league and when you're getting paid that much and you're that high of a draft pick, you know, people expect you to play at a certain level, you know, and perform right away. So it probably hurt me from a confidence standpoint because, you know, when the losses start piling up, you're on expansion team, I'm getting sacked an unbelievable amount of times. Um, you know, just wasn't having the success that I'd been used to having in high school and college. But the experience I gained that year was priceless. You know, I, I did have some success. I had some had some really good games that year. You know, for a rookie and um, uh, was uh, was playing well and you know just uh, you know proving myself to my teammates. I think my teammates that year earned a lot of respect for me because I just kept getting up. You know, I think I got sacked 56 times that year in 15 starts, and I just kept getting up and and playing. And I think the you know that kind of set the tone for me with my teammates. So there were, there were some positive things that, that came from it as well. And then, um, you know, my, my second year, I, I, I felt like I was ready to go. What was it like the first time you reached the dog pound? Uh, it was cool. I just uh, – th those fans are, are intense. You know, Cleveland uh, football fans are as passionate as, as they come. Um, you know, even now, you know, their team, you know, they don't win very many games. Um, you know, in the recent years, but, uh, you know, their fans still show up and they're passionate about their team. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's just the way it is up there. It's a blue collar town. It's a hard nosed town and they, uh, they love the Browns and, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a football town. Uh, they hadn't been to the playoffs forever. Mm -hmm. Not much since then either. In fact, have they been back since you took them the one year? That's it. That's the only time they've 2002, been. 2002. Yeah. You threw for 2,842 yards, 8. Touchdowns, mm -hmm. nine seven record, and you don't get to play in the playoff. Break my leg in the game. Um, so that year uh, was having a good year. I really felt like I'm um, okay. We've we've got a, a turn good, the corner. We've turned a corner. I I've got a good enough team around me where I can have success at this level, and I can start. I I felt like myself that year. I'll say that for the first time in a few years. Um, so I'm like, okay, this is now I'm going to take off. And so the last game of the year. We were playing the Falcons, Michael Vick and those guys, and we had to win that game to get into the playoffs. And uh, about, I think it was the second or third quarter of that game, I broke my leg. 
And uh, we ended up going on to win that game and um, didn't get to play in a playoff game. And that was just kind of what happened, you know, my whole career. Like every time I was getting right on the edge, and I had a I had a lot of success in the NFL. I just didn't have a lot of – it wasn't sustained over a long period of time like you see most number one picks have it. And, um, uh, you know, and it was always an injury setback. It, every time I would – Start to play well and be consistent. You know, it was elbow injuries, it was shoulder injuries, it was a broken leg, it was a broken thumb. Um, you know, it was just, uh, it was always something that was just, I was trying to recover from. And, and you have to think that came from being at the entry point of an expansion team. Yeah. That, you just didn't have the protection right. that you would have with maybe any other club in the league. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a tough way to come into the league. It was. It was a, and especially you know in the division that I came into the league in, it's a physical division, man. You know, talk about Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Those defenses are extremely physical. We're playing them twice a year, so it's uh, you know it was uh, it was it was physical. You know, uh, the first few years, I think a lot of that uh, you know ended up you know with my shoulder and you know those injuries that piled up. That uh, it's just hard to stay healthy when you're getting hit that many times. You're going back to Cleveland this year, uh, doing yeah. some. Uh, Preseason games for TV. Uh huh. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, I'm I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, I got I got the chance to go to Cleveland uh, two weeks ago to you know go up there and you know tour the facility and meet the coaches and players and I did an appearance up there where I spoke to some uh, you know Browns backers you know about the upcoming draft and things like that. But um, uh, at first time I'd been back in 15 years and uh, hadn't been back up there. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and uh, so I got a chance and it was and those fans were unbelievably welcome to you know to have me back up there and they're so they you know they were you know response I got on social media and um, you know the fans that I met face to face while I was up there were so uh, so positive and uh, you know and and um, so it's it's going to be a, a lot of fun I'm going to be calling their preseason games this year and you know Jay Crawford who was uh, you know on ESPN who was also uh, on WYMT you know he got yeah, his start hazard. On, in Hazard and got his start on WYMT is going to be the play-by-play guy and uh you know, and I'll do the color. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And, um, you know, just uh, I've called a lot of football games. You know, I've called a lot of SEC games. I did that for four or five years, but I've never called an NFL game. So uh, so it's going to be, uh, you know, a new challenge, but, uh, you know, something I'm really excited about. Given the fact you've been gone 15 years, do you think maybe the time since then and the fact they haven't been back to playoffs in that there's a better appreciation of oh, yeah. what you did and what you faced when you came out in 99. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's exactly, exactly what the fans were saying. And the, the response I get on social media is that, you know, that, you know, at the time, you know, I'm the number one pick in the draft and they're blaming the whole, you know, franchises, you know, that they're not having success on the quarterback. That's just the way it goes, which I get. And I accept that. That's fine. But I think as time goes by, I think people are realizing I was probably a pretty good player in a bad situation. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, time time will tell everything. And, you know, but, uh, you know, I think that I still have the, the most yards, the most touchdowns, and the winningest quarterback to play there in the last 20 years. So um, it wasn't all bad, right? You know, I mean, it, uh, you know, I didn't have the Peyton Manning type 20, you know, 15-year career or, or John Elway career, other guys that were no one picks in the draft. But I think I was in a pretty rough spot, you know, to, to walk into the league and, you know, try to sustain success. And, you know, they've had a lot of guys come through there since since I was there that, uh, you know, that didn't last either and that were, you know, pretty good players too. It's just – it's just it's been a tough place to, to win and, and a tough place to play quarterback. And, um, you know, a lot of guys have tried and, and not had any success. So it's um, – hopefully they can get that turned around now. Back to your childhood. Your first sports idol as a kid – Rex, Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, that would be basketball. Um, football would be uh, uh, like uh, Dan Marino or John Elway, one of those guys. 
The most hostile stadium you ever competed in on a college level? Um, probably LSU. Yeah, I would say I would say LSU or uh, or the Swamp. Let's sort of go one two here, and we'll ask you the same question: playing for the Browns, the most hostile. Um, well, for us, Pittsburgh, um, you know, was our big rival. So going in, you know, Pittsburgh fans are like Browns fans; they're so passionate, and that game gets pretty heated. Um, so I would say Pittsburgh is uh, is a tough place to play. Um, uh, Baltimore was a pretty tough place to play with those defenses they had with Ray Lewis and those guys out there. Anyway, it's tough enough, but uh, that that was a loud stadium and uh, you know just a you know big rival since the Browns you know left the league they went they become the Ravens now we're back in the league as the Browns so that that was a big rival as well. Your favorite road stadium in college? Favorite road stadium? Um, Tennessee was fun. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have any success, but just playing in that, I mean, it's, what is it, 104, 308? 108. 108 now. 104 now. It, okay. They cut it back, but it's 100, okay. 108 when you play. Yeah. I mean, just a massive, massive place. And, um, you know, so that, that, was, that was cool against a chance to play there. And, uh, you know, I wish we would have had a little more success, but it was a, it was a cool experience. NFL. Uh, Green Bay was fun. You know, I actually played for the Packers for a year too when I left uh, when I left Cleveland, so I got a chance to play there. I uh, didn't get I wasn't uh, dressed that that year cuz that's where I had my first shoulder and, surgery. And weren't they bringing you back as a uh, backup to Brett Favre? Yeah, when I left Cleveland the When you left Cleveland? Yeah, they the Packers signed me and um I was going to I was backing Brett up and um you know, I was going to take over when when Brett left and uh you know, that was the the transition plan and then I got hurt, and then they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and it worked out pretty well for them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I think Green Bay was just you know just because of the history and tradition that they've had up there, just playing. In the game we played, the Packers, um, it was pouring snow, just like you'd want it to when you're playing the Packers <laughs> against Brett Favre, and it was a that was a neat experience. The best opposing coach you faced in college? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I'd have to think about that, but right off the top of my head, I'm thinking probably Spurrier. I think I think Spurrier, you know, at the time was on the cutting edge of, of offenses as well. And, um, you know, they were just so good, you know. I mean, they had so much talent back then. They were winning all those SEC championships and national championships. Yeah, you didn't have to wonder why he was not smart enough to stay there instead of going. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was he had it rolling. I mean, yeah. recruiting-wise and, you know, facility-wise. There were two guys had it going the same time the same way. He in football and Patino in basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. And they both won the title together in 96. That's right, yep. yep. And Spurrier had all those SEC titles, and Rick had SEC. Yeah. And they both got <laughs> <Took ready off>. <laughs> for... <laughs> It happens. The best opponent you faced at UK? Ooh, oh, man, I have to think about it. The best opponent. Uh, Kevin Falk. The running back at LSU was, you know, ended up going to uh, play for the Patriots for a long time, win a few Super Bowls. He was a, he was an incredible player in college. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it, it would be Kevin Falk or Champ Bailey. You know, Champ was at Georgia. You know, 10, 12 time Pro Bowler, first ballot mm -hmm. Hall of Fame guy. Um, Champ was awesome too. Yeah, Champ was, uh, you know, very good player. Um, so we, I mean, you know, we just played. You know, at Florida had those guys. So you can go Javon Curse and all these guys that Florida had and. Down the line, but you know every team always had had a few studs out there for sure. NFL, NFL would be uh, uh, Ray Lewis and Dion Sanders would be the two that would jump out. Um, Dion was just you know one of those intimidating guys, especially for a quarterback because I'd grown up watching Dion play and seeing him pick off so many passes and. 
you know, you just know if you mess up and if you're just a little bit late or a little bit behind on a throw that it's going the other way. So he forced you to be, uh, you know, you know, really think before you threw it to his side of the field. And then Ray was just uh, on top of being probably the most intimidating player in the league. He was, I think, the smartest player that I ever ever played against. You know, he, I could hear him communicating. You know, he's right in front of me, you know, over the center there. And I could hear him, you know, communicating to his defense and telling them what he thinks we're doing, you know, based on personnel formation and things. And, man, that guy, there was, there was a reason for his success. And it was, you know, a lot of it was physical. He was a gifted guy. But, man, he was sharp mentally for sure. Your best game as a Wildcat? My best game, I think um, – Probably, man, LSU game was a good one. Um, Arkansas, even though we lost that one, was, a, was I played well in that game. We played real well. Um, but probably Louisville on the road. And the first game at Papa John's State when I threw seven touchdowns, I, I was uh, I was on fire that day. That was one of those games where it's like a you know a basketball player where they can't miss a three or something. You know what I mean? I just I just felt like every throw was right on the money and right where I wanted it. And I was just uh, that was just one of those days. In with the Browns, best game uh, with the Browns would be, uh, um, let's see, probably a game in uh, where we played Pittsburgh at home. I think it was, I think it was my second year, and uh, I think I had about 320 yards or so, and uh, I was just on on really throwing the ball well that day. And then I had another game at uh, against the Titans. We were on the road and made a major comeback. I think we were down by 14 with um, a couple minutes left, and we came back and won that game. I remember seeing that game. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I had a big game that game as well. So, you know, it was just fun, you know, because, you know, uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George and those guys, they were really rolling at the time, and just to get a chance to beat those guys was a lot of fun. The best victory you played in, not necessarily your best game, but the best victory. In college? In college. Uh, it would probably, you know, it's hard to argue against the Alabama. You know, it's hard to top <laughs> that one. It, just because, you know, it was, it was Alabama and um, the way that it happened. You know, the you know being a last second, you know, a touchdown pass to win it in overtime to to, to Craig and, uh, you know, just, just the way that whole game played out. And there, there was a lot of big plays in that game. We blocked a field goal, ran it back for a touchdown. And, you know, defense made a lot of good plays. And, you know, but just to, just to win it the way we won it was, uh, was pretty cool. Best victory with the Browns? Um, you know, probably, probably the, you know, the game against the Falcons that I wasn't, didn't get to finish, you know, but, you know, I think that, uh, that put us in the playoffs and, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that was just, uh, you know, since I started with that organization from literally the ground up from day one and was, you know, the quarterback and, you know, getting from where we started to where we were, you know, getting, now we're a playoff team and we had a, we had a good young football team. We were really, you know, we were, we, we were, you know, going to win the Super Bowl, but we were competitive. We we're real competitive. Um, so that game was a big victory. And, you know, we won it on a goal line stand, too. And, you know, Michael Vick and Warwick Dunn was their running back, and our defense stuffed them on the goal line, you know, three three plays in a row. And um, uh, we ended up winning uh, kind of, you know, on a victory like that. So that was, uh, it was really cool, even though I was in a locker room with my leg in a cast. It was, it was, it was fun to watch. <laughs> As a Wildcat, the worst game you played, the game that you wished had had never happened. Oh, that would have to be a game my freshman year. Uh, under Curry, probably the probably Florida. Florida game. Yeah, probably the Florida game when they my first start down there. Um, it was embarrassing. It was uh, it was uh, a beating, and you know physically and mentally, it was uh, it was a big eye opener. That was like, man, if this is what college football in the SEC is like, I'm not sure I can do it. Just, I mean, we were just getting like I said. We didn't, I don't think we crossed midfield. It was it was awful. Was that a was that a game where at the end of the day you had to say? Hey, I, I'm either going here or I'm going here. 
As far as transferring? No, or, no, as far as – Oh, as, play, as a player? As a player. Yes. Yeah, that that game uh, um, uh, was – you know, like I said, it was – because they were so good on defense. They had so many guys go to the NFL off that defense. And and I'm out there, you know, obviously running the wrong offense against them. Um, but, uh, yeah, you that, that game was uh, – you know, kind of like okay, I got to get I got to get to work and got to figure out how to I'm going to compete against these guys. Was there one like that in Cleveland? Um, yeah, you know, just probably the first game. Uh, you know, I didn't start the game, but uh, you know, against the Steelers, um, the first game, we they they just really they they were they were dominating us and blowing us out, and they put me in late in that game, and I think we we're probably already down about thirty points or so, and um, I threw an interception on the first pass ever through. In the NFL, and uh, you know, so that was a kind of a rude awakening into the league. But we ended up beating Pittsburgh that year uh, in uh, in Pittsburgh. So that was a, a good sign that we we would uh, certainly come a long way. The biggest personal disappointment in your career at Kentucky? At Kentucky would be uh, not winning a, a bowl game. You know, I think, uh, and and I wanted to, you know I wanted to not yeah not winning the bowl game would be the biggest disappointment. You know, I think that. Um, you know, we, we had had some success and we made it to a major bowl, a New Year's Day bowl game. And, you know, it would have been fun to win that. And, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we had a good run, though. The best decision you ever made in life? Hmm. Man, that's, uh, you know, it would probably be, you know, coming to Kentucky because it really, you know, set everything in motion for the way my life has played out from, you know, the you know, kids I have and, you know, to – the the life I live and everything else because um, you know if I didn't come here and play and who knows if I'd have been the number one pick and I would probably wouldn't have been in Cleveland wouldn't have met my wife in Cleveland wouldn't have had these kids you know what I mean just it just sets the ball rolling so it's just uh, you know where where you decide to go to college is a major you know life decision you know it's for an athlete and it kind of you know sets the uh, sets the, the things in motion for the rest of your life. Your current thoughts about the UK football program, Mark Stoops. You've had this massive renovation at the stadium. Yeah. You've had this marvelous football facility that one couldn't even dream of 20 years ago, let, let alone have it. Where's the program headed? Can it compete on a winning basis in the SEC? Um, I, I think we're, uh, we're heading in, in the right direction, and I think that uh, we're, we're getting so close to being a good football team. And, um we are a good football team, and we're getting so close to getting to be a a, a team that can compete and uh, and compete against anyone. And um, you know, I look out on the field on Saturdays, and I see different level of athlete than I've seen across the board. You know, at uh, at e at each position, the the level that coach have recruited at since he's been here is is unprecedented. Like we've never had, you know, each year is a better recruiting class, and it's uh, it's better than than, we, than we've ever had. And um, the facilities, like you mentioned, are, are as good as anyone's in the country. And, um, you know, uh, Mitch Barnhart and, you know, that staff, they've, they've done, you know, such a great job of putting the time, the money, the effort into getting our football program uh, where it should be. And, uh, you know, on par with, uh, you know, you know wh where we want it to be consistently year in and year out of competing and winning football games. And, you know, last year was such a close year for us. I mean, we lose to Florida. And, you know, the way we lost, giving them 14 points, not even covering guys. Um, and then we lose on the last play of the game against Ole Miss. That's two more wins right there that could have been a huge season. Would have been the most wins we've had in a regular season ever, wouldn't it? I mean, was, have we ever won nine? Yeah, back uh, in 80. Well, yeah, yeah. 80. 
Yes. So, but yeah. Okay. So that, that yeah, that would have been one of the one of the best years we've ever had regular season right. wise. Um, so that that's a good sign. You know, we're he- we're headed in the right direction, and um, you know, I think this year we're as talented as we've uh, we, we've been in in a long time. So it should be, it should be a good year. You're forty years old. Yeah. Young forty. Yeah. Young forty. You got a couple young boys that I'm sure you hope will. Go have some athletic form of, of life here beyond. If you could change any one thing in your life, what would it be? Any one thing, um, you know, I think that it would probably be um, that I could have stayed healthy and had a longer career, um, because you know that's just that's just who I didn't. Well, once my career ended so quickly. You know, six years. I uh, got six year credited years in in the league. Um, you know, I thought I would be doing that for fifteen to you know maybe longer, depending on you know my my health. But um, when your career ends like that and you've put your whole life and soul into something, I didn't really knew who I was at that point. Like now, what do I do? I've got you know all the all the money I could want. I've got um, you know I'm healthy, other than I can't play the game anymore. You know, what I mean, I have my health, um, but I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't have a I don't have a degree, didn't have anything, didn't have any backup plan, had nothing. Um, so I just kind of went through a, you know, a pretty rough patch for a year or two, trying to figure out, you know, life and, and what I'm doing, you know, life after football and, and those kind of things. But, um, you know, once I started having kids, uh, once I got out of the NFL, my, um, had, had my first son, Chase, and that really helped a lot. You know, then I was dad. You know, and then I could, you know, really focus my attention on, on him. And then Brady came along and, um, so, so my boys keep me, uh, you know, very, very busy and very, uh, engaged and those kind of things. So that, you know, uh, but, but, it, but it was a tough, tough transition and, um, you know, you just, you have certain plans, you know, for yourself and where you see your life going. And then when you get into, you know, an abrupt change in those plans and, uh, you know, you have to switch gears pretty, pretty quickly. Once you leave high school, college, you get in professional, you become a star. And like you said, you become wealthy. And people look at, well, when he retires, what is he going to do? Right. And a lot of people say, well, will he stay in Cleveland, Avery? Will he move to Florida? Uh-huh. Will he come back to Kentucky? What has drawn you back to Kentucky? The people. You know, it's definitely the people. And I'm a Kentucky kid. You know, I grew up in the state. And, you know, and I really don't have a, a lot of ties to Lexington in particular other than I played here for two, you know, two and a half years or whatever it was. And. Um, but it was like, you know, it went by so fast, um, you know, I, uh, it, I didn't really get to experience Lexington, you know, I, at, first of all, I didn't have any, you know, time or money or anything like that. When you're a college kid, I was, I saw, you know, the, the classroom and, and, and the football field, you know, that's about all I saw when I was here. And, um, uh, so, but when, when I retired, um, or had to retire, um, I thought Lexington would be a great place to raise a family. You know, I just uh, had some friends that lived here still and, you know, just, uh, you know, just would come back, visit my brother who was living here and, you know, those kind of things. And then I just thought it'd be a great place to raise a family and probably the best decision, you know, that we made as far as, you know, bringing the kids, putting them in school here in Lexington and, you know, they go to Lexington Christian Academy and, um, it's just, uh, it's just a phenomenal place to, to, to live and raise kids. And, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, like I said, great people. Um, I love being around the university. Um, you know, I love going to games and, and taking my kids and, you know, starting those traditions. I take them to Keeneland, you know, take them to the football games, take them to the basketball games. And I just want them to be, uh, you know, grow up, uh, you know, around, you know, like my dad did for me, you know, was, you know, taking me to basketball games, football games, and those kind of things. It's just very cool to get an opportunity to do. 
the most influential person in your life? Uh, you know, that would be, uh, that would be my brother. You know, I think, um, you know, we grew up very, very close. Um, and he was an inspiration to me as far as, you know, being an athlete, you know, I don't know if, uh, if, if Greg wasn't an athlete, I don't know where my life would have went because, um, you know, I just want to be like him. You know, I played football because he played football. I probably wouldn't even have played football, honestly, because I would have played basketball because that's what I wanted. I loved basketball, but um, I really only played football because my brother was a quarterback. And I was like, eh, I'll just I'll do what my brother does. And, uh, you know, so I kind of followed in his footsteps. And I wore number two because my brother was number two uh, before me. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's where the jersey number came from. And, uh, you know, so he, he would definitely be my inspiration. And then, uh, you know, when I got drafted um, – we, you know, we were so close that I, I, I hired him to watch the other people that, you know, my agents and financial people. And, you know, and that's how you know, my brother got into the business we're in now is um, we own a wealth management company, you know, downtown called Meridian Wealth Management. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how my brother got into the financial business is because I basically hired him to go <laughs> in and watch the people that I'd hired already because, you know, I didn't really trust many people. And, um, you know, so we've just kind of made it together. And, uh, you know, just two kids from... Eastern Kentucky that, uh, you know, we support each other and we stick by each other. And, uh, you know, we do business stuff together now. And, um, you know, we just uh, support each other the whole way. How would you like to be remembered? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I would like to be remembered as a a good person, number one. I think that's, I think that's the main thing. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the football side of it is uh, – is big for me. You know, I think I want to be respected as a, as a player and more, more as a, as a teammate. I want to be, I want my teammates to say, I loved playing with that guy. He was fun to play with. You know, I think that, um, you know, I never saw myself as uh, a superstar or anything like that. Or, you know, I didn't, I don't think I carried myself when I was in college as I'm going to be the no more picking the draft. I'm better than anyone else. You know, I, I worked just like everybody else on the team did. I trained as hard as anyone else did. I think if you talk to the strength coaches that were there at the time and, uh, my coach is Chris Hatcher, who's dealing with me every day as my quarterback coach, and those those kind of people that dealt with me, I think they would tell you the same thing. And um, you know that means a lot to me. But I think you know you're growing up in Eastern Kentucky. You know nobody gives you anything. You you work for everything that you get, and no one handed me anything. Um, you know I put the time in, put the effort in, and uh, you know I think uh, that that's what I want to be remembered most for is just the hard work. You know the the type of person that I I want to be that I want people to see me as is uh, is probably the biggest thing. We hope you've enjoyed conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. For more with Tim Couch, you can go back to episode 53 for part one. There are a few more episodes of conversation with former Kentucky football players that I encourage you to listen to. That includes Joe Bryant, Phil Greer, and Dave Hopewell. Those episodes can be found at oscarcombs.com. And don't forget that episodes of conversations can be delivered to your mobile device for absolutely free. Conversations is available both in the Google Play Store and in iTunes. Just search for Ed Wildcat News, click subscribe, and when each new episode is released, it will be waiting for you to listen to at your convenience. To keep up with Oscar, you can follow him on Twitter at Wildcat News. And to keep tabs on the deuce, he's at Tim Couch TV. For the old man and Tim Couch, I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs. And as always, go Big Blue.